forward. One of the most important things to be understood about man is that man is asleep. Even while he thinks he is awake, he's not. His wakefulness is very fragile. His wakefulness is so tiny, it doesn't matter at all. His wakefulness is only a beautiful name, but utterly empty. <clears throat> you sleep in the night, you sleep in the day. From birth to death, you go on changing your patterns of sleep, but you never really awaken. Just by opening the eyes, don't be fool yourself that you are awake. Unless the inner eyes open, unless your inside becomes full of light, unless you can see yourself who you are, don't think that you are awake. <clears throat> This is the greatest illusion man lives in. And once you accept that you are already awake, Then there is no question of making any effort to be awake. The first thing to, to sink deep in your heart is that you are asleep, utterly asleep. You are dreaming day in, day out. You are dreaming sometimes with open eyes and sometimes with closed eyes. But you are dreaming. You are a dream. You are not yet. A reality. Of course, in a dream, whatsoever you do is meaningless. Whatsoever you think is pointless. Whatsoever you project remains part of your dreams and never allows you to see that which is. <clears throat> hence, all the hence, all the Buddhas have insisted, insisted on only one thing <clears throat> awaken. Continuously, for centuries, their whole teaching can be contained in a single phrase be awake. And they have been devising methods, strategies, they have been creating contexts and spaces and energy fields in which you can be shocked into awareness. Yes, unless you are shocked, shaken to your very foundations, you will not awaken. The sleep has been so long that it has reached to the very core of your being. You are soaked in it. Each cell of your body and each fiber of your mind has become full of sleep. It is not a small phenomenon. Hence, great effort is needed to be alert, to be attentive, to be watchful, to become a witness. If all the Buddhas of the world agree on any one single theme, this is it that man as he is, is sleep, <clears throat> and man as he should be, should be awake. Wakefulness is the goal, and wakefulness. Wakefulness is the taste of all their teachings. Zarathutra, Lao Tzu, Jesus, Buddha, Bahodin, Kabir, Nanak, all the 
all the awakened ones have been teaching one single theme in different languages, in different metaphors, but their song is the same. Just as the sea tears, <clears throat> just as the sea tastes of salt, whether the sea is tasted from the north or from the east or from the west, the sea always tastes of salt. <clears throat> the taste of Buddhahood is wakefulness. But you will not make any effort if you go on believing that you are already awake. <clears throat> then there is no question of making any effort. Why bother? And you have created religions, gods, prayers, rituals out of your dreams. Your goals are as much part of your dreams as anything else. Your politics is part of your dreams. Your religions are part of your dreams. Your poverty, your painting, your art, whatsoever you do. Because you are asleep, you do things according to your own state of mind. Your, go your gods cannot be different from you. You will who will create them? Who will give them shape and color and form? You create them. You sculpt them. They have eyes like you, nose li noses like you, and minds like you. The Old Testament God says, I'm a very jealous God. Now, who has created this God who is jealous? God cannot be jealous. And if God is jealous, then what is wrong in being jealous? If even God is jealous, why should you be thought to be doing something wrong when you are jealous? Jealousy is divine. <clears throat> the Old Testament God says, I'm a very angry God. If you don't allow, if you don't follow my commandments, I will destroy you. You will be thrown into hellfire for eternity. And because I'm very jealous, don't worship anybody else and can't tolerate it. Who created such a God? It must be out of your own jealousy, out of our own. <clears throat> it must be out of our own jealousy, out of our own anger that you have created this image. It is your projection. It is your shadow. It echoes you and nobody else. And the same is the case with our gods of our religions. <clears throat> it is because of this that Buddha never talked about God. It is because of this that Buddha never talked about God. He said, what is the point of talking about God to people who are asleep? They will listen in their sleep. They will dream about whatsoever is said to them. And they will create their own gods, which will be utterly false, utterly impotent, utterly meaningless. It is better not to have such gods. <clears throat> That's why Buddha is not interested in talking about gods. His whole interest is in waking you up. <clears throat> 
It is said about a Buddhist enlightened master who was sitting by the side of the river one evening, enjoying the sound of the water, the sound of the wind passing through the trees. A man came and asked him, Can you tell me in a single word the essence of your religion? <clears throat> the master remained silent, utterly silent, as if he had not heard the question. The questioner said, Are you deaf or something? <clears throat> the master said, <clears throat> I have heard your question and I have answered it too. <laughs> Silence is the answer. I remained silent. That pause, that interval was my answer. <clears throat> the man said, I cannot understand such a mysterious answer. Can't you be a little more clear? So the master wrote on the sand, meditation, in small letters with his finger. The man said, I can read now. It is a little better than at first. At least I have got a word to ponder over. But can't you make it a little more clear? The master wrote, Again, meditation. Of course, this time he wrote in bit. He wrote in bigger letters. The man was feeling, the man was feeling a little embarrassed, puzzled, offended, angry. He said, "Again, you write meditation. Can't you be a little clear for me?" <clears throat> And the master wrote. In big letters, capital letters, meditation. The man said, You seem to be mad. The master said, I've already come down very much. The first answer was the right answer. The second was not so right. The third even more wrong. The fourth has gone very wrong. <laughs> Because when you write meditation with capital letters, You have made a god out of it. That's why the word God is written with a capital G. Whenever you want to make something supreme, ultimate, you write it with a capital letter. The master said, I've already committed a sin. He erased all those words he had written and he said, Please listen to my first answer. Only then I'm true. Silence is the space in which one awakens, and the noisy mind is the space in which one remains asleep. Ha,、huh, I like this. Silence is the space in which one awakens, and the noisy mind is the space in which one remains asleep. Asleep. If your mind continues chattering, you are asleep, sitting silently. If the mind disappears and you can hear the chattering birds, you can hear the chattering birds and no mind inside. A silence. This whistle of birds, the chirping. And no mind functioning in your head. Utter silence. Then 
awareness wells up in you. It does not come from the outside. It arises in you. It grows in you. Otherwise, remember, you are asleep. Huh? I like this word. Who wrote this? By himself. Okay, thanks for now. The understanding. <clears throat> I never use the word renunciation at all. I say rejoice in life, in love, in meditation, in the beauties of the world, in the ecstasy of existence. Rejoice in everything. Transform the mundane into the sacred. Transform this shore into the other shore. Transform the earth into paradise. And then, indirectly, a certain renunciation starts happening. But that happens, you don't do it. It is not a doing. It is a happening. I like that. It is not a doing. It is a happening. You start renouncing your foolishness. You start renouncing your foolishness. Foolishnesses. I'm sorry. You start renouncing your foolishnessness. Foolishnesses. I'm sorry. You start renouncing your foolishnesses. 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 You start renouncing rubbish. You start renouncing meaningless relationships. You start renouncing jobs that were not fulfilling into your being. You start renouncing places where growth was not possible. But I don't call it renunciation. I call it understanding, awareness. Hmm. If you are carrying stones in your hand, thinking that they are diamonds, I will not tell you to renounce those stones. I will simply say, be alert and have another look. If you yourself see that they are not diamonds, in there is there any need to renounce them? They will fall from your hands of their own accord. In fact, if you still want to carry them, you will have to make a great effort. You will have to bring great will to still carry them. But you cannot carry them for long. Once you have seen that they are useless, meaningless, you are bound to throw them away. And once you hands and once your hands are empty, you can you can search for the real treasures. You can search for the real treasures. And the real treasures are not in the future. The real treasures are right now, here, of men and rats. Wakefulness is the way of life. The fool sleeps as if, they, as if he were already dead. But the master is awake and he lives forever. He watches. He is clear. 
how happy he is, for he sees that wakefulness is life. How happy he is following the path of the awakened with great perseverance. Perseverance. With great perseverance, he meditates, seeking freedom and happiness. From the Dhammapada of Gautama the Buddha. We go on living absolutely inattentive to what is happening around us. Yes, we have become very efficient in doing things. We, what we are doing, we have become so efficient in doing that we don't need any awareness to do it. It has become mechanical, automatic. We function like robots. We are not men yet. We are machines. That's what George Gujudif used to say again and again. The man as he exists is a machine. He offended many people because nobody likes to be called a machine. Machines like to be called gods. Machines like to be called gods. Then they feel very happy, puffed up. Gujudif used to call people machines, and he was right. If you watch yourself, you will know how mechanically you behave. The Russian psychologist Pavlov and the American psychologist Skinner are 99.9% right about men. They believe that man is a beautiful machine. That's all. There is no soul in him. I say 1990.9% they are right. They only miss by a small margin. In that small margin are the Buddhas, the, awa- the awakened ones. But they can be forgiven because Pavlov never came across a Buddha. He came across millions of people like you. Skinner has been studying men and rats and finds no difference. <laughs> rats are simple beings, that's all. Man is a little more complicated. Man is a highly sophisticated machine. Rats are simple machines. It is easier to study rats. That's why psychologists go on studying rats. They study rats and they conclude about men. And their conclusions are about their conclusions are almost right. I say almost. Mind you because that one tenth of one percent is the most important phenomenon that has happened. A Buddha, a Jesus, a Mohammed. These few awakened people are the real men. But where can B. F. Skinner find a Buddha? Certainly not in America, I've heard. A man asked a rabbi, why didn't, just, why didn't Jesus choose to be born in 20th century America? The rabbi struggled, sh- shrugged his shoulders and said, in America, it would have been impossible. Where can you find a virgin?
firstly and secondly where will you find three wise men where is bf skinner going to find the buddha and even if he can find a buddha his preconceived prejudices ideas will not allow him to see he will go on seeking his rats he cannot understand anything that rats cannot do now rats don't meditate rats don't become enlightened and he conceives of man only as a magnified form of a rat and still i say that he's right about the greater majority of people his conclusions are not wrong and buddhas will agree with them about the so-called normal humanity the normal humanity is utterly sleep the normal humanity is utterly asleep even animals are not so sleep even animals are not so asleep have you seen a deer in the forest how alert he looks how watchful he walks have you seen a bird sitting on the tree how intelligently he goes on watching what is happening around him all around <coughs> you move toward the bird there is a certain space he allows beyond that one step more and he flies away he has a certain alertness about his territory. If somebody enters into that territory, then it is dangerous. If you look around, you will be surprised. Man seems to be the most asleep animal on the earth. A woman buys a parrot at an auction of the furn furnishings of fancy warehouse and keeps the parrot's cage covered for two weeks, hoping to make it forget its profane vocabulary. Hoping to make it forget its profane vocabulary. When he when the cage when the cage is finally uncovered, the parrot looks around and remarks Arak New House New Madam New Madame when the woman's daughter comes in, he adds, Oh, new girls. When her husband comes home that night, the bird says, Oh, oh, some old customers. I don't get it. Man is in, man is in a fallen state. In fact, that is the meaning of the Christian people, Christian parable of the fall of Adam his expulsion why were Adam and Eve expelled from paradise they were expelled because they had eaten the fruit of knowledge they were expelled because they had become minds and they had lost their consciousness if you become a mind you lose consciousness mind means sleep mind means noise mind means mechanicalness if you become a mind you lose consciousness hence the whole work that has to be done is to become consciousness again and lose the mind 
You have to throw out of your system all that you have gathered as knowledge. It is knowledge that keeps you asleep. Hence, the most knowledgeable person, the more knowledgeable a person is, the more asleep. That has been my own observation too. Innocent villagers are far more alert and awake than the professors in the universities and the pundits in the temples. The pundits are nothing the pundits are doing the pundits are nothing but parrots. The the academians in the universities are full of nothing but holy cow dung full of absolutely meaningless noise, just minds and no consciousness. People who work with nature, farmers, gardeners, woodcutters, carpenters, painters, they are far more alert than the people who function in the universities as deeds and vice counselors. Vice counselors and counselors. Because when you work with nature, nature is alert, trees are alert, their form of alertness is certainly different, but they are very alert. Now, there are specific proofs of their alertness. Now, there are scientific proofs of their alertness. If the wooden cutter comes with an axe, ox in his hand and with the deliberate desire to cut, cut the tree, all the trees that see, that see him coming tremble. Now, there are scientific proofs about it. I'm not talking about poverty. I'm not talking, I'm not talking poetry. I'm talking science when I say this. Now, there are instruments to measure whether the tree is happy or unhappy afraid or unafraid, sad or ecstatic. When the woodcutter comes, all the trees that see him start trembling. They become aware that death is close by, close by, and the woodcutter has not cut any tree yet, just his coming. And one thing more, far more strange, if the woodcutter is simply passing by with no deliberate idea to cut the tree, then no tree becomes afraid. It is the same woodcutter with the same ox. It seems that his intention to cut a tree affects the trees. It means that his intention is being understood. It means the very vibe is being decoded by the trees. And one more significant fact has been observed significantly. If you go if you go into the forest and kill an animal, not only the animal kingdom around becomes shaken, but trees also. If you kill a deer, all the deer that are around feel the vibe of murder become sad. A great trembling arises in them. Suddenly they are afraid for no particular reason at all. They may not have seen the deer being killed, but somehow, in a subtle way, they are affected, instinctively, intuitively, but it is not only the deer that are affected, 
The trees are affected. The parrots are affected. The tigers are affected. The eagles are affected. The grass leaves are affected. Murder has happened. Destruction has happened. Death has happened. Everything that is around is affected. Man seems to be the most asleep. The sutras of Buddha have to be meditated on deeply. Inviting, inviting, follow. He says, wakefulness is the way of life. You are okay. Let's make it here. Buddha's phrase wakefulness is the way of life. Wakefulness is the way of life.